What's going on, everybody? Hotep to the family. Ashe to all my people out there. Welcome back to my unapologetic perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network. This is the podcast where we give our point of view of controversial topics from my experience, black, his- black history, and our knowledge as African Americans. In the words of Maya Angelou, do your best until you know better. And when you know better, do better. So it's important to search for information to discover what you don't know so you can discover your best you. I'm joined today by my co-host to the right of me is Shaquan Battle. Yep. And to the right of him is Jerome Battle. Sup. And I'm your lovely host, Martre, <laughs> Dion Baker, Stevens, Slash Battle, all of that good stuff. Uh, thank everybody for tuning in. Thanks for all the love people have been showing to us on YouTube. If you have not been to our YouTube, go to YouTube, type in the Mighty Motivation Network, hit the subscribe button, and you can catch up on all the latest episodes. Also, go to Facebook, type in My Unapologetic Perspective, and follow that Facebook page for um, the latest content coming out. Um, how are you guys? Good. Everybody good? You Refreshed. know I'm struggling. Sinuses. Yeah. I'm going to make it through, though. <clears throat> well, we, we're going we're gonna to dive in today. Um, any current events y'all want to talk about before we get started? Anything that happened lately that y'all want to comment on? Yeah. Larry okay. Elders. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Cone of all in California. Thank you. Yeah, Larry uh, was the person that was running for uh, governor in, in L.A. calling for the recall election, um, which ended up uh, he ended up losing because he's a complete idiot. <laughs> if you don't believe he's a complete idiot, just go to Google, type in his name, and you'll see how much of a complete idiot it is. The things that he said recently that... Uh, Slave owners should have get paid for reparations for the property that they lost. Um, he said some other stuff about uh, he would live in a neighborhood with George Zimmerman because George Zimmerman did the right thing in killing of Trayvon Martin and that he received enough justice just by what he had to deal with with the backlash of killing Trayvon Martin. And the list goes on to the idiotic on things on. this guy said, and said um, in the past few years. So my black voters, that's why you can't always just vote black. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. That's a great point. That's a great point. And uh, he did us a favor because without that, Democrats probably would not have went out and voted in this election. Yeah. But it was he was he was it was so ridiculous. Some of the things he was saying um, and so discriminatory. Uh, mm-hmm. against his own kind mm-hmm. that uh even white democrats win we we need to go vote right <laughs> we, we can't add it so thank you larry appreciate right. it and then the propaganda added to it when the i guess the eggs were thrown at him as they should have been uh he used that as a uh political campaign against against the left um talking about how he he's targeted for his, his um his thoughts and his point of view but whatever enough to talk about idiot people let's dive into this. <laughs> um Today, today we're going to talk about something very important. It hit close to home of what's been going on probably for the last decade or, or more. Or more. Um, in this, especially when it's talking about African-American celebrities or African-American leaders, but it's something that has been a detriment to the African-American community for um, four decades. Um, you can even probably go back uh, to the 40s and 50s, which we're going to do. Uh, but we're going to talk about the 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 effects that drugs have in, in black America. Um, when we talk about this topic, because of course we've had some recent passings lately. When you look at the famous people that have passed that have been African-American, a lot of it has been drug related. Right. Um, 
you you know you hate to say that you want people to rest in peace but we have to give our people information to try to combat some of the the overdoses that has been happening because that's what that's essentially what it is you know they call it you know um a tragic situation which it is but let's call it what it really is which is just overdosing it's, it's no different from your your addict on the street that is overdosing on heroin or, or cocaine or crack um it's just they're they're put into different type of drugs now you know right. we talk about um prescription drugs you talk about things that you use as, as your vice that you may have been using for 20 or 30 years but the drug market has changed so much that you know it's no longer just cutting it with baker soda they're cutting it with fentanyl now and we we're seeing that the dramatic changes in overdoses which we'll get into but when we talk about let's we're gonna go through the history of, of some drugs um in the timeline in, in the united states when they deal with the african-americans real quick uh so when we talk about drugs in black america uh people have been doing opium for thousands of years this is you know we can go all the way back to the the original family because plants grow all around you know, right. whether it's in asia africa south america whatever the case may be um what we call drugs are plants that have been growing all around this for for, for since the beginning mm -hmm. Uh, so when we talk about drugs, the first drug that come to mind when we talk about the black community, um, let's start with heroin. Because um, because heroin comes in from, you know, 1874 to 1920 in the United States where it was used as pain relief or medicine. Mm -hmm. When we talk about every drug that we talk about was essentially at one point used for some type of uh, medicine or pain relief. Right. Um, but when it's used uh, in, in its right uh, state of mind is for healing, pain, relief, and relaxation. But when it is abused, it went, when things get out of hand. But heroin um, began to become regulated in the United States about 1924 with the Dangerous Drug Act. But the medications were no longer available over the counter. So heroin begins to begin uh, being smuggled by Sicilians to the Italian mob. It's one of the first encounters that you see in the United States with a mass majority of heroin coming in. And the mob, if you ever watched The Godfather, uh, the mob talks about not selling it to their own people. That's right. They they wanted to sell it to black people, but the black drug dealers and how the black drug dealers sell it to their people because they figure, you know, they'll do anything. So when you talk about drugs, you're talking about, let's just go back to, since so many people are watching Godfather of Harlem, let's just go back to Bumpy Johnson. So Bumpy Johnson started off as running numbers. That was the hustle back then, running numbers and, and prostitution. And right. then it eventually come to drugs come into play. So the Italian mob were giving the drugs to Bumpy Johnson. Bumpy Johnson began to um, correlate this within uh, Harlem and, and in the New York area and then all across the United States. But it gets a little bit more complicated than that, than just Bumpy Johnson and, and the Italian mob. In, in 1960s, um, the Sicilian mob meets with the CIA. And for the people who know history, this is not something that should shock anybody, <laughs> right? Because what essentially happened in the United States was trying to assassinate Fidel Castro. Um, so when China assassinated Fidel Castro, understand that Batista was running Cuba before Fidel Castro. Mm -hmm. Batista was a good friend of the United States um, due to their... Uh, 
let's call it what it is, racism right. <laughs> it, it going on in Cuba. Very similar to the United States. Absolutely. So, right. so what ends up happening is Fidel Castro takes over Cuba and they the CIA um, creates a team of former um, Cubans called anti-communists. And what they do is they try to assassinate uh, Fidel Castro and take back over Cuba. This is all signed off on by uh jfk and nixon and all of these people so you got the bay of pigs that happened where they're trying to assassinate fidel castro on behalf of the cia and the united states government well it falters and what ends up happening is the anti-communists that were cia trained are no longer employed they had to flee cuba and come to the united states and they're no longer employed so what ends up happening one way that they know how to make money is smuggling drugs because they know their way in and out of Cuba, in and out of the United States to smuggle drugs in. So we always can tie drugs back into something that the U.S. government is tied to. And you're going to see why as we're going through this episode. But that's one of the ways that drugs began to come into the United States is after um, the, the Bay of Pigs, the anti-communists that were rebels that were along with the United States began bringing in drugs. Some, some say that was the plan from the beginning that they weren't really trying to help the United States and the CIA from the beginning. That mm-hmm. was all part of the plan. Right. And, so, and also, not just uh, heroin. Um, we're just focusing on the black community, but right. LSD was uh, huge at this time, too, because the CIA wanted to use LSD to control um, soldiers in the way that they want to control them. goes back to the, what's the movie with Denzel Washington? Um, Maturian Candidate or something like that? Yeah, Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, man. So it's something similar to that. Um, and then, and then you come across the Vietnam War. And in the Vietnam War, is the same exact thing happens. You're fighting communism in Vietnam, but in a place called Laos, where the anti-communists are, that's who the United States team up with. But what do they have? They have, they have uh, plants where they right. grow heroin. That's right. So you ship that heroin along with the United States planes and the United States soldiers, and guess where it ends up? In the hands of the United States soldiers who got hooked in Vietnam War on heroin. American and then, gangster. You can watch yeah, that. with Frank That's Lucas. Right. So That's then right. you're going to start seeing heroin really coming into the United States during the Vietnam War. So what ends up happening is soldiers are fighting depression. Then when they get back to the United States, they ain't got no jobs. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, they ain't got no money in their pocket. So this I'm either going to sell uh, it. Dead or, presidents as well. Dead presidents. I'm either going to sell it or I'm going to use it, right? Um not only Frank Lucas, you got people like Frank Matthews who say was a part of the CIA as right. well, uh, Nikki Barnes, uh, all of those great people. Um, but they were just pawns. People talk about how great, bigger the drug dealers these guys were. They were just pawns. They were just pawns. They were just That's pawns. Right. It, it right. was a bigger thing. Not only that, you also had cops taking the drugs from drug dealers, cutting it, and selling it back as you watch American Gangster. This was happening. Cops a lot of cops didn't bother drug dealers because they were drug dealers too. That was actually the first line in American Gangster was when you say, I work for a man that thought he owned the company, but he ain't own it. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. So Nixon declares war on drugs. The, his administration admitted it. It was a war against left hippies who were on LSD and against black people trying to associate black people with heroin. So Nixon essentially calls it the war on drugs. Now, it wasn't... Um, this was one of the fish first initial war on drugs. Um, and then in New York, they had the Rockefeller drug laws, which 
90% of drug dealers that were sentenced to long terms were black and brown people. That's right. So um, that's where you get the heroin epidemic. Now let's move a little bit forward further. Cocaine, which derives from a coca plant in South, uh, South America. Again, a medicine at first. Mm-hmm. Um, people in Germany, uh, soldiers began to use it in the 1800s to try to uh, take away fatigue. Um, the United States used it in Coca-Cola. You could actually buy it and uh, buy a drink of Coca-Cola in a, um, in a, in a medicine place and, and drink it there. Uh, but then the Harrison Narcotics Act outlawed cocaine in the United States. And it literally didn't come back popular again until around the 1970s because cocaine was used by mostly white people because it was expensive. Mm-hmm. So it was a party drug. So you would call they would call it blow. You would mm-hmm. uh, Scarface. Mm-hmm. You would take the you be in the club. You you take the dollar bill. You sniff it up, and it was essentially harmless. What white people mm-hmm. thought, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, what's the what's the other movie? Um, ah man, New York with the the stock exchange. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Um, so cocaine was used by people with money in the 70s and 80s, and it didn't really hit the inner cities because black people really couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. If you watch the movie Fresh, it was like $100 a pop for, yeah, you know, cocaine. Right. You know what I mean? So while Nixon was cracking down on marijuana, LSD, and heroin, cocaine is coming in with the cartels. Again, uh, Chile, a place in Chile, they was creating it. They were sending it to Pablo Escobar in Colombia. And Pablo Escobar is smuggling it in to Miami, the cartels in California. The kicker is, just goes back to a, a fight against communists as well. Again, we could always trace this back, right? So in Nicaragua, the uh, United States was helping the the rebels with the far left, uh, the far right rebels fight against the communism in Nicaragua. And what they did was they came up with the Bolden Act that said, we're no longer going to fund these people. So Reagan and the CIA continued to secretly fund those rebels down there by allowing them to smuggle drugs in, make money, to buy weapons, and send back down there. Again, if you watch Snowfall, don't just play, don't just, Franklin is a, is a pawn in Snowfall. Right. Right. Watch the CIA agent that he works for. He's the head honcho of everything that's going on. And that's why it, if on Snowfall, if you watch the last season, that's why the dad was so gung-ho on getting Franklin out of that situation. It, it was way much bigger. It was bigger than him. Rick Ross or Franklin, whatever you want to call it, they were pawns mm-hmm. in this scheme. There was a lot of money being made um, bigger than what you've seen on the, the streets of, uh, of L.A. Uh, but Ronald Reagan increases the war on drugs. Meanwhile, Nancy Reagan is saying, just say no, which is a contradiction because Reagan is the one bringing the drugs in. So, again, we see how this happened. But something key happens um, in cocaine, which is that brought a lot of attention to cocaine, which was Richard Pryor burning himself up by freebasing. That's right. And that introduced crack, crack, which crack is a free base form of cocaine made by cooking cocaine powder, water, and baking soda until it forms a solid that can be broken down into individual rocks. And you can sell these rocks at $10 a pop, which inner city now can afford, right? right. So where cocaine was expensive to purchase, crack was affordable prices for African-Americans to be able to come a hold of. But then something else happens. 1985, Lynn Bias. First round, was he the first pick? First pick. First pick. Mm -hmm. 
dies before he ever gets to play in the Boston right. Maryland Celtics. Maryland Turpin, baby. Um, the, the result was it actually wasn't even from crack. They said he actually overdosed from cocaine, not crack, but they Pure made cocaine. it seem like it was uh, right. uh, a crack overdose, which means uh, George H. Bush in, uh, imposed mandatory sentencing laws, which dramatically increased the penalties of possessing or trafficking crack. So that was a one to a hundred type of sentencing. So you can have a hundred grams of cocaine and be sentenced for the same thing as having one gram of crack. So to put this in perspective for people who don't understand, if you have five sugar packets that you get from like Hardee's, right? That would be essentially a gram, five sugar packets. 500 of those sugar packets would be equivalent to cocaine. That's what the sentencing was. So somebody like Pablo Escobar can have 500 grams of cocaine and get sentenced as a, as a 17 year old who had one gram of crack. That's right. That's the way that that worked, right? So cocaine was looked at as an upscale drug that wasn't harming anybody, and crack was killing America. And they have, again associate that with uh, African Americans, even though white people were on crack more than black people. Um, but harsh laws came when the drug became associated with black people. And of course, the mandatory minimums with the uh, the the crime bill with Bill Clinton, because when you look at Reagan, you had well, Nixon, Reagan, mm-hmm. Bush, Clinton, all were competing on the war on drugs, all trying to make it harsher for for drug dealers. But crack was different, right? Because track crack didn't just hurt the drug dealers, it hurt the drug users. Right. right. So if you were a drug addict. You were going to jail just as much as the drug right. uh, the drug dealers when your problem was, I'm addicted to the drug. Right. Mm-hmm. Actually, crack hurt more so than the other drugs for another reason, too. The violence. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. violence that came along with it. If you, you go back to the 80s, from 1984, 85, until the early 90s, mm-hmm. until the crime bill was passed by Clinton in 1996, mm-hmm. um, Obviously, the amount of people that were being murdered due to crack cocaine was 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 ridiculous, mm-hmm. and most of those people were young black Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I want people to realize that we're talking about how this system got us to where we are, but we weren't only the victims of the people that were selling it; we were also the victims of the ones that were being killed due to it. Mm-hmm. Because whenever you get drugs, you're gonna get money. Whenever you get money, you get power. You get territory. And then that's when the guns come into effect. Snowfall, that's why Snowfall is so good, right? Snowfall started off, Franklin selling drugs, everything was all good. Then the next season, you see guns everywhere. It's a war everywhere because whenever you have an inflow of money coming in, everybody wants a piece of that action. And then that's when you get conflict and you get rivals and you get gangs and you get all of these other things involved. And now it's come from making money to a power struggle um, on the streets that innocent bystanders are, uh, are usually the victims of what's going on mm-hmm. in the streets. Um, but crack cocaine was also an attack on the black community because the news made it seem like it was COVID. Like it was an epidemic. It was a plague. Right. Those are the words that they used, right? So it, it was an attack on the black community. They even went as far as saying that crack hurt the pregnant females baby and what it came up with the term of crack babies which there's no evidence that that that's scientifically true that crack was found in the system of babies being born but that was the the thing that they was running into and they were sentencing women that were pregnant for that 
because they said that they were endangering the baby by taking these drugs. Um, but it, it locked up so many people, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But the last one I'm going to just throw in there for good measure, which is alcohol. Now, most people don't think alcohol is a drug, but it is something that is fatally um, hurtful to the black community as a heroin or, or cocaine or uh, any other drug because liquor can cause a fate. You can overdose over liquor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's important too. You mentioned two things that go in correlation with with drugs and and how they basically invaded this this country. It also uh, incorporates two other aspects: your guns and uh, uh, tobacco. Mm-hmm. So when we think about alcohol, tobacco, and guns or firearms, that's where you got the ATF from. Right. So one of the reasons why the mafia, the Italian mafia, did not want to associate with drugs. Uh, and guns is because that brought a different type of mm-hmm. of law enforcement. Attention, it an ATF. attention to you. That's right. right. So they wanted to refrain from that. If you watch any of the 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 older mobster movies, they would always separate themselves from anybody that was selling drugs, because mm-hmm. um, obviously that brought a different type of attention, mm-hmm. usually in the form of ATF. So what if if they were like that? Why do you think we would do it? What what was the reason that? Bumpy, somebody like Bumpy Johnson or Frank Matthews and say, okay, if y'all not going to sell it to y'all people, we will. The, the thing is, is, it's business 101. I mean, you learn this in high school. Where there's a demand, there's this going to be somebody supply. that has a supply. You mm-hmm. have to meet that demand. Who better to do it than me? Right. right. They're going to so, get it from somewhere. Uh, exactly. They're going right. to get it from somewhere. And, and I can speak from personal mm-hmm. uh, uh, experiences. Somebody's going to sell it, right? As far as the person that's buying it, Nobody's forcing them to do it, right? Mm-hmm. At least that's how we thought. I have no understanding of addiction whatsoever. So obviously that person is willingly coming to purchase something that could do harm to them. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to sell it. Might as well right. be me, right? So obviously that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And if you take an environment, if you take a community that's impoverished, there's no jobs, there's the living conditions are horrible. There's a lot of people. We talked about on previous podcasts, there's no economical development. There's no hope. Mm-hmm. However, you got this over here. There's just it's it's there, mm-hmm. right? So people need their grass cut. There's people gonna cut their grass. Right. People want to get high. There's people that's gonna sell the drugs to them. Absolutely. And and to do that, at least if you go all the way back to the '60s and '70s, to do that, you have to own an area. You have to own the territory. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? You gotta have people. You gotta have guns. You have to be willing to fight for your territory. Mm-hmm. And thus, that's what you had when you look at the 80s with uh, crack cocaine and then going into the 90s. Mm-hmm. So we were willing to do that. We're already a, a, a people who are angry right. already. I mean, look at our situation. Look at what's happened to us, you know, over the 400 plus years. So you think it's a product of the environment? Uh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, and on the we talked about this before, too. There in the past, there's been so many people who believe that financial advancement is an equalizer. Mm-hmm. They don't care where you got the money. We've seen it before. As long as you can buy a house that's not in the hood, you can pay your bills. People don't question where the money comes from. Mm-hmm. You're treated differently, mm-hmm. right? So the best way for me to be treated differently is earn more money. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares where it comes from. I mean, you hear some of these people doing interviews, they can't even speak properly English. Mm-hmm. They're making millions of dollars mm-hmm. and they're treated so differently than a person that's well-spoken that work at McDonald's, right? right? Money becomes the equalizer to so many people. Absolutely. If I, real quick, if I could read something Jay said on You Must Love Me, 
He said, through my thirst, it didn't help you. I just made things worse. I hated me and everybody that created crack. Had me thinking the newest kicks and the latest gat. He was talking about when he sold his mom cocaine. Mm-hmm. So like dad said, it, it's a supply is going to be a demand. So if, if you going, if my mom going to use it, then I might as well sell it to you. And, and we glorify You can look at rap today. I mean, you can imagine how rap was in, in the late right. 80s, early 90s. But you can listen to rap today. What do people? What do rappers glorify? How much money they make? They're not making it owning their own businesses mm-hmm. outside of the drug game. They're not making it doing movies, right? Mm-hmm. How are they making it? Selling drugs, mm-hmm. right? So we glorify. We've always glorified. So not only we do glorify selling it, we glorify the addiction, especially now. Yeah, and yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, I know yeah, everybody yeah. wants to separate uh, weed from all these other drugs. And, and that's fine. You can do that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you have people that are glorifying getting high. Mm-hmm. So if you're glorifying, you can separate it all you want. Money is green, right? right? So if you want it, you're going to get high. Somebody's going to sell it. Mm-hmm. So we're glorifying in opposed to our counterparts who do not glorify. You don't see somebody who sniffed cocaine going in the press conference talking about how they sniff cocaine, right? right? They don't even want to admit that they smoke and inhale weed. Right. right? Exactly. <laughs> so at the end of the day, we treat it differently than our counterparts. Thus, we're going to be treated differently in the end. And that's what we're saying, too. Give me your take on just the history of what we went through on the drugs. Um, well, real quick. Uh, far as the drugs, I mean, since 91, uh, convicted black are being incarcerated for nonviolent, low-level drug offenses. Uh, most blacks locked up in violent crimes aren't violent crimes like rape, murder, but they locked up for petty offenses, mm-hmm. drug offenses. So, starting all the way back, you know, uh, and it's it's songs, it's movies that talk about this that how drugs was pumped into the black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, for for what reason? I mean, you can come up with a lot of them, but it was essentially of kill yourselves. Oh, yeah, y'all, yeah. y'all sell it. We lock you up. You sell it to your own people. They're going to die. Um, I mean, you look at the, the hardcore drugs like LSD, cocaine, meth. They're used by white people. Right. More than, more than black people. Even alcohol. It's rarely talked about. It is, it's rarely talked about right. because if you're, if you're seen as a crackhead, you're seen as somebody that'll commit a crime. Yeah. Versus somebody that's, on meth, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the crackhead that came from, uh, I, I'm not sure if, if white people gave that to us or did we give it to ourselves? Right. Cause the song, your mom on crack, your yeah. mom on crack. Yes. Stuff like that. Um, we want money so bad. We want power so bad. We want control of our territories so bad and we got it it just was a detriment to to, yeah. to to black people you know and and speaking about the history um i agree with you 100 percent. and and I, i'm gonna go one step further um i know we like to separate alcohol but let's talk about prohibition mm-hmm. right prohibition didn't come about because uh they felt that alcohol was detrimental to the human being Mm-hmm. It came about because they, at the time, there was no way to regulate mm-hmm. the money that was being made from the sale of it. Right. So until the government was able to carouse that part, right, it was outlaw. 
Mm-hmm. So obviously what happens is it becomes the new crack. It becomes yeah. the new drug, something that's illegal that people still want. Remember, right. business one-on-one. Where there's a demand, somebody's mm-hmm. going to have a supply. Mm-hmm. Right. So it became, it became money for those that sold it. So the mm-hmm. government said, well, we can't do that. We have to, we have to make it legal, but we want to, we want to be able to control, control it. it. Right. And we want to be able to control not the use of it, but the money generated from it. Right. Yeah. So obviously if you look at now, one of the leading killers in the, in, in the United States is alcohol related, mm-hmm. right? Alcohol related deaths. So they could care less about the human. It's about the money, but to go one step further, I am. I tell people all the time, I'm the son of a, 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 a murdered mother. My mother died from throat cancer by way of alcohol and cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm the son of a murdered mother. And when I think about alcohol, I think about any type of addiction. Okay, people can say it's not a cigarettes, not addictive. They can say weed's not addictive. You can say what you want to. Then, then, then stop doing it. If it's stop doing it. Right. right. Uh, addiction can be something, and I'll tell you today, I still don't understand it today. I've never been addicted to anything in my life, so I don't know what addiction is. Although I, I, although I know that it has taken a lot of people away from me. And we are back again. Pops, go ahead. Continue. Yeah. Just talking about addiction. Um, we People like to separate hard drugs the same way they like to separate hard alcohol from beer. You have people say, oh, it's just beer mm. or it's, it's just weed. Um, until you've lost a loved one to, due to some of those things that we like to say just in front of, mm-hmm. you, you won't understand what I'm going through. You know, and that, we talk about taking away people in the physical sense, but not just them no longer being on this earth, but that person no longer being the person that I know, right. um, being completely different. And not just when they're using, but even when they're not using, they are not the same person anymore. Yeah. Um, in fact, we had a term for people when they got high or drunk. We used to say they're different. Me and Eugene, uh, my brother Eugene, who doesn't drink or smoke either, we used to say they're different. Such and such is different, you know, meaning they're high or drunk. Um, so my personal experiences obviously has helped develop who I am. And I am not a proponent of of those type of things. So obviously I'm biased. Mm-hmm. Whenever we talk about drugs and alcohol, I'm always going to be biased. That that's who I am. That's not going to change. And I'm not saying that my opinion is right, mm-hmm. but opinions are like, you know, buttholes, all mm-hmm. of them stink. Right. <laughs> but I can talk about mine cause I clean mine. All right. All right. So, uh, from the effects of, of drugs, especially when we talk about the sentencing aspect of the cocaine and crack, you know, we got a family member who is uh, a victim of that, if you want to say that. Um, he got arrested. Again, we were four or five years old, and he's I'm 31. He's still in prison doing time for that because of the difference between crack and cocaine at the time. Now, they took some off the sentence because of the, the law that changed that made it equivalent, but he's still not out yet. So that just tells you somebody that was out here in the streets during that time period selling crack cocaine that he got murdered. I've seen people murder people and, and get it, go in and get out, and he's still he's in there still for in the, there. for a, a drug crime. You know, as much as you know, the Derek Chauvin's case wanted to um, make me happy with the you know the twenty three years that he received. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I watched my cousin get 40 for Drugs. crack, for just crack. And if it would have been coke, it might not have been 40. That's you know right. what I mean? So they, they also amended the law and, and, and with the crime bill, too, that they changed drug convictions, especially if you were in the possession of crack, um, which they call a controlled substance. Uh, 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 <laughs> so um, a Schedule two controlled substance. But if you caught with in possession of that, along with a firearm, they made it a violent crime. Mm -hmm. So even with the reduction in some of the sentences that are cocaine related, there was only for nonviolent offenders. Mm -hmm. So if you had a conviction with the possession of a firearm, none violent. of these breaks in the law, the changes in the law affect your sentence, mm -hmm. right? So if you got 25 or 30 years for possession of crack cocaine, but you also had, was in the possession of a gun, guess what? You still got that same sentence, right? you know? So what we've seen from that, especially from the, the crime bill of Clinton, was we saw mass incarceration. We saw police go from um, uh, community-oriented to military-style, um, which we still see today with the military-style. This goes into, you know, the, the battery ram into people's doors. That's right. Um, just tearing up people's neighborhoods, doing whatever. Uh, the stop and frisk, frisk, all of these Absolutely. things come into effect when it comes to the the drug things. And, you know, first time offenders were getting 15 to 20 years on, you know, a couple of grams of crack. That's right. Uh, the, um, was it Clinton? Either Clinton, it was one, it was either Reagan, Clinton, or Bush. I think it was Bush, actually. Bush had a informant buy drugs in front of the White House arrested the person that, that sold him the drugs so he could take the drugs and do a um and do a speech on TV about how drugs is affecting the community. <laughs> but he the one that orchestrated the drug deal in front of the White House. Yeah. You know, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, we talked about black pawns, right? We yeah. talked about blacks that were used for an agenda. Um either push an agenda or, or establish an agenda. When we talk about drugs, there's a black pawn that comes in the in the mind that you guys probably heard his name because you probably heard me mention him before. Uh, he was the mayor of D.C. for many, many years, Marion Barry. And Marion Barry was caught on tape smoking crack cocaine with a prostitute. And here's the thing. He was caught on tape because people were aware that he was smoking crack. <laughs> so rather than do the right thing and get the brother some help, yeah. they decided, let's set him up and put him on camera. Right. Mm -hmm. So they can show you ultimately what blacks and black politicians, because the two went together, do. Mm -hmm. And America felt like this was an exact representation of black America and black Americans in politics. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the effects of the drug, uh, it's a book that I read called um, They Came Before Columbus by Dr. Ivan Van Sertima. And he was talking about uh, something totally different. But one of the things that he talked about was how Africans intro introduced oral smoking of tobacco for pleasure and relaxation. Um, they use tobacco for money, magic, and meditation. Um, the use of cocaine uh, spans thousands of years, like I talked about earlier, but knowledge of its mind-altering function, what we call hallucinations. Mm -hmm. um, people know about that going back, you know, 2000 BC. Uh, for centuries, you know, the Native Americans, Africans, Asians, were using these tobaccos when it came to their uh, rituals. And these rituals, when you, when you have these hallucinogens, plants 
going at the time. It allows you to connect with what we could call the higher power right. to um to do some certain things. So it was using a spiritual essence. But when it gets into the hands of certain people where it could be abused, number one, or it could be profitable is what changes the aspect of what we call the plants. Nothing's different from coffee. Mm-hmm. Nothing's different from sugar. At one time, sugar was the drug. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Sugar did something to Europeans that they never, they, they would do anything for that sugar. You know what I mean? They would do anything for that coffee. I got both of them <laughs> <laughs> they would do anything for that tobacco, right? That opium. So they were all used for different reasons, but you can become addicted to these things because they are, there are plants that can be isolated into a drug. Um, any plant that by indigenous, indigenous people for the purpose of extracting it by the Europeans was uses for making uh, money. And also, if you look at, you know, most of the drugs that, that came over here, it wasn't until like the, the opiate uh, in the 1870s. White people used those because it was no aspirin mm-hmm. or anything like that. But it wasn't until the Chinese came over in the 1870s that, you know, they went home and smoked the opiate, mm-hmm. much like the white people went home and took a shot of whiskey, is when you get the first uh, opiate prohibition laws directed at the Chinese. Oh, yeah. Watch the movie. Uh, watch the show Warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warrior is a great show to watch. Um, but let's, let's, let's go into why do we sell drugs? Why do... African Americans decide to sell drugs uh, to to their people. Um, again, we talked about earlier money. Money. It was an opportunity for uh, the unemployed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there there were times, you know, especially during the '60s, where unemployment was at an all time low. Anytime you come back home after a war, uh, whether you talk about the Vietnam War, the um, the Korean War, the uh, World War Two. Whatever you, you could always go back to American wars. Whenever African Americans come back, they don't have. We talked about this on the podcast before. They didn't have access to the health care that white soldiers had. Mm-hmm. So when they come back from war, they, they're still using the same drugs that they were using during the war to try to heal them. Um, but also, they didn't have the job opportunities awaiting them when they got back. Right? Um, money is power. Like, like people, would, yeah, you know, some people will sell it to their own mother, mother and father if it mean that they could have power or, or some sense, you know, and you always talk about it all the time. A lot of people, they don't do it because they need to do it. They, they love the lifestyle. 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 You like the money. You like the clothes. You like the jewelry. You like the, the, the women that come That's with right. it, you know, in the crack epidemic. That's you right. saw 16 year olds with, M- with BMWs ain't even have a driver's That's license. Right. And I got a BMW. But if you look at the average drug dealer, probably the drug dealer that most people know, and you look at them, you see them driving the cars, they got the nice clothes, the jewelry, whatever, they're at the club, they're doing all this stuff. But the first time they get arrested, you wonder why they didn't get out, right? Right. So the first thing you think is he has no bond. Then you find out later on, he got a $10,000 bond. He's still in jail. No, <laughs> Where's and the money? Wow. And he got a court-appointed lawyer. And he got a court-appointed attorney. Biggie, Biggie said it best when he was selling drugs. He got locked up. Oh, the, all the money for the lawyer was the money for the bond. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, you look at these people and you think they're really making money. It's really about the lifestyle. We used to call them uh, hotel hustlers, right? <laughs> they get the hotel room for the weekend, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. they hustle all week, the party, get the sneakers on Friday, hit the club, get a hotel room for a couple of days, Monday back on the grind, right? Right. right? 
they're not making money. They it's a lifestyle. This is like right. a job. But a lot of people also don't understand what we call civil asset forfeiture. Right? That's right. A lot of people don't understand this. That if you get caught selling drugs or not even get caught, if they think that you're that selling reasonable, drugs, if the reasonable re- suspicion in your home, your car, any place where your property, they can the government can seize that property. The money, the drugs, all of it goes where? To the government. Absolutely. So who benefits more from black drug dealers that are going to be arrested eventually? That's right. Now, let's put this in real perspective <laughs> so people can understand. That's an important fact, right? For those that are selling drugs that live in your mama house or live mm-hmm. with your baby's mama, right? And you're selling drugs, they can seize that home, mm-hmm. right? So that means not only do you go to jail, but your family could lose their home because you're selling drugs. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe me, I'm speaking <laughs> I'm speaking <laughs> from experience, okay? This is not something somebody told me. I'm telling you, this is the law. They can take your property. Uh, they can take the property of your parents or your, your girlfriend, whoever they want to, where you're living in their home, and they can say they got a reason to believe that they benefited from you selling drugs. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind if you still live with your mama or you live with one of your girlfriends or baby mothers. Yeah, and for some people who say, well, don't they had to know they were going to get caught at some point. Um, Nobody sells if you, drugs thinking they're going to get caught. If you look at somebody like Rick Ross, <laughs> he knew the police didn't care because he was working with the police. Yeah. You either pay the police off because they're benefited from it too. Right, it's there were t- money. Nobody's there were times thinking in New about York. what happens if I get caught. They're thinking about what happens if I don't get caught. Right, they're not thinking about what happens when I get caught. You know, we were talking about New York, New York earlier. You know, New York police officers will allow the the drug dealers to sell. They'll catch you with it, give it back to you, tell your boss I'll let you go. Yeah, that means your boss will come pay me to leave you alone right. whenever I see you. They just had a, a situation in Florida, Miami, where two cops were. In, doing the bad boys thing, you know, Mike Lowry, yeah. whatever, that um, were doing doing exactly what you just said. They were having drug dealers sell drugs and give them a percentage. Mm-hmm. We won't bust you, and we'll bust the competition, but you got to pay us. Absolutely. Right? So, um, obviously, whenever there's money to be made, somebody is going to make it. Right. It all, the question is, who? Yeah. Somebody's going to make it. Right. And for some people say, you know, why did they don't just get a job? There was a... Um, there was a commercial going around late eighties, early nineties. Um, was about a, a kid, probably about eighteen or nineteen. Uh it was a a drug awareness commercial about the kid walking from his stoop through the streets, passing the drug dealers, and then he go to work at McDonald's. And some people say that's the way that we should do. Um, but I read something that said in the eighties, minimum wage of working at McDonald's was three thirty-five an hour. Who the hell is that going to feed? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would have drug dealers. <laughs> I was one of them. That, that people would say, um, why don't you get a job? And I would say, how much money do you make in a year? And they would say, and I was like, I make that in a week. Right. I know people that was making that in a day. Right. So shut up. You know what I mean? Mind your business. <laughs> right. So obviously, it's about the money. But it's really about the lifestyle because I don't have to go punch a clock every day. Right. Nobody tells me what to do or when to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, on if, if one of my friends say, yo, let's go to Miami, 
The question was when you want to leave, right. right? It's no question about I got to get off work. I got to when you want to leave and how you want to go. You want to fly, you want to drive, mm -hmm. what you want to do, you know? So it's the lifestyle. And you learn the lifestyle from the things that you see people in front of you doing. You know, I remember, you know, when being in Marcy Projects with my cousin Jazz, there was, he pointed out this guy that was like notorious and Jay's mentioned him on a few albums and I won't mention names because some of these people are still alive. So I don't want to do that to him. Um, but I remember he kind of telling us the story about when he went to prison. He was like, yeah, vacation. It was a vacation, man. He come back out. This 1985, 86, he got the very first Jordans that ever hit the street. Jordans weren't even being sold in storage yet. We was like, what are those? They ugly as hell. Jordans, nobody knew what they were. He just got out of jail that day. Mm -hmm. And it, to him, going to prison was a vacation. A vacation. Mm -hmm. That's not how I view prison, mm -hmm. you know, but that's how he viewed it. But we looked up to people like that because they weren't honest with us. Mm -hmm. They didn't tell us that when you go to prison, you get that felony on your record and you can't vote and you lose friends. And while you're in prison, you lose relatives. And when you get out, it's going to be difficult for you to get a job and difficult for you to go back into the game. So once you're convicted, it's even more difficult to go back to doing what you were doing before. And that's actually the point I was going to make next is once you get that F on your report card, then you essentially get out trying to land back on your feet and you're going to go back to what you you're used to. That's right. Right. So a lot of people, you know, they go, they get out, they try to find a job. They might find a job. Somebody like might have three or four kids already. And you realize this ain't going, this ain't going to cut it. That's right. You know what I mean? Especially because now in the court dates, you're not just getting time. You got to pay restitution back. Yep. So you got to pay court calls. You got to pay lawyers. You got to pay all of this stuff back. You're so in debt. It's like, Dang, I got to go back to what I was doing anyway. And if you get kids, you got that child support. Yeah. That's a funny thing to pull it from, but uh, life after lockup. Uh, right. Dude got out of jail, uh, got his first job. He's like, yeah, man, I got paid today. Opened his check. Restitution took all of it. And he, was, and he told his girl, he was like, for all of this, why am I working? I might as well go back to selling drugs. Yeah. That's the system. You, you got to eat. Yeah, it's, meek, it's, a survival. Yeah. it's a survival. Yeah. Meek Mill uh, me will talk about that all the time, about how the system works, man. And, and the system, once you get in that system, it's hard to get out mm -hmm. that loop. You you really have to be strong-willed, motivated, and understand that I don't want that for me. But if you have kids, you also got to say, I don't want that for my kids. Yeah. To, to answer your previous question, um, sometimes as black people, we look at, uh, what we don't have versus what somebody has. Like Big says, Scarface, King of New York. I want to be it. He's seen the lifestyle that that he was living, and Big was looking at his situation and was like, yo, I want that. Whatever I got to do to get that, I'll do it. Right. Uh, on the wire, he said, the reason why we hustle is we hustle, y'all try to knock it. That's how the game goes. Right. You can't send us down here where we, can send, where we can sell drugs freely because that's not what the hustle is. The hustle is we try to sell it, you try to knock it. Right. Um, I know for me growing up, you know, with the with people that, you know, are my age, the great kids, great household, and then they started selling drugs because either their older cousin was doing it or the lifestyle. The problem is, is when you start having kids, you now leave those kids out here to do the very thing that they see you doing, right. going back and forth to jail. So you can't get mad at the system when your child is going back and forth to jail when you're in jail. That's right. Uh, Paid in Full movie uh, was perfect, you know, when 
after he got shot, the the EMTs asked him, you know, who did this to you? And he said, I did yeah. this to me. And it goes from him working in the cleaners to seeing his best friend making all of this money. He's like, yo, you really out here making this money? You showing up with this car? You got this jewelry on? Right. You doing all this? I want that. Right. Now I'm working in. I'm slaving in this. In this laundry. Yeah. yeah. So we we see that effect that 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 can have. It's Did appealing. It? Yeah. yeah. It's appealing, and it appeals to. Uh, it appeals to those who have nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it I mean, appeals he, to those who have no hope. He told them in the in, when they was playing ball. Me and you gonna have mansion businesses in, yeah. in five years. Five years. Yeah. Thinking more like days. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And and they did. Yeah, <laughs> they, they right. did. But um, but even when he got out of jail and his man said, "Yo, I see you shining." The first thing he did was tucked it in. Yeah, because he, he. I mean, it was the lifestyle though. But let, let's let's look at the other side of it real quick. You know. Why do we do drugs? You know, of course, you know, you got the the trauma of, of poverty, unemployment. Um, and I believe when we talk about rap music, you know, we talk about us glorifying it. But I believe that Grandmaster Flash wasn't trying to glorify it. You know, it's a jungle sometimes that makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It was a reality at the time. Yeah. He's, he's talking about what's going on. I believe we took the reality and made it our future. Yeah, you, you I mean you you've talked about it at the beginning too. Is that a, a lot about getting high is also the prestige to come with it. If you watch any of the 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 movies talking about the celebrities, especially the music celebrities, the first thing they get offered when they're working on that record deal is they get offered cocaine. Mm-hmm. Right? Go ahead, take a take a snort, and to. To not do it is very difficult because if you don't, you can end up like Stacey Lattisaw. For those that don't know who that is, Google her and she'll tell you. You can hear her story about about the industry. Mm-hmm. But the industry puts people in a situation to be accepted. You have to do certain things. We can even go to now like R. Kelly. Uh, the trial going on with R. Kelly for for him to help people, they had to do certain things, yeah. right? Um, that's always been the case in the industry for the most part. You want to be in the industry? What are you willing to do? Mm-hmm. You know, show me you down. Let me hit, hit that line, right? Once it happens, that's where the addiction comes in. So you do it to be accepted, to get something, and then the addiction kicks in. Mm-hmm. So now you're in it, right? And then what do you do when you're in that position? You do the same thing to the next person. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously- it's, it, a, it's, it's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. Right. And the only way to break that cycle is you have to do what we're doing. You have right. to talk to people. Right. You know, talk to people and give them another option. Tell them that you don't have to do that to be accepted. But the drug game has went so far to the other end. It's mm-hmm. unreal because we were talking about off air about prescription drugs, where people perceive prescription drugs totally different than how they view, you know, narcotics or, yeah. you know, illegal drugs. Because um, pre- prescription- it looks cleaner. Because it looks you, cleaner. Because you get it from the, the doctor. A- right. Absolutely. Not knowing that or not realizing or understanding that if you have a prescription and just be real. In black households, we do it all the time. If I get an antibiotic for a sinus infection and I don't take all of them and yeah. somebody in my family gets sick, here you go. Here you go right? you. Not realizing that's against law. Right. You can't do that, right? But that that person having that prescription drugs, especially when they were already prescribed it by a doctor, but they ran out because they're using it the wrong way mm-hmm. and they get somebody else to get a prescription for them. We talked about it off air. That's what happened to Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, he was taking prescription drugs for a legitimate reason. However, he was using it so frequently that his prescription didn't last the amount of time that it need that he needed it to. So he got somebody else get the drugs for him. And, and right? that, that that happens a lot. But a lot of people they okay, you got a you had a back injury, 
they, right. they prescribe you oxycodone for for the pain or whatever the case may be and you take the the full tabs and then after you even you even feel better but for now every pain that you have you're gonna take it. you want that that's right, right? um this happened to a, a, a lot of people you know for me you know I, I didn't have a drug problem well if you want to call alcohol a, a vice but it was the escape from reality because a lot of people we talk about using it for oppression and stress. The number one reason people use drugs or alcohol is because you're partying. You want to have fun. That's right. It's that's where you're introduced to it. And then once you see the effect that it could have, that it can take you away from reality sometimes. Now when you're depressed, you want it. And that's it right. just continues to spiral downhill right. from now. And now you're partying depressed, partying depressed. Mm -hmm. And this drug is taking you away from reality to the point where you're not even in tune in reality that's right and now reality is you're behind on your bills that's right reality is you ain't taking care of your kids reality is you in debt reality is you ain't doing all, all of your responsibilities you lost your job you and left missed three days of work you and called in sick it starts to spiral right. downhill because it went from fun to stress to now i have no clue what's happening that's right, right. And, and addiction is real, obviously. Like I said, I, I really don't understand it. But I've watched where you hear jokes about it, but it's not jokes. It, it's real. You have a drug on the street that kills people. A rational person would go, I don't want that. I don't want that, yeah. An addict could go, where can I get that from? Like, right? like, like don't be a menace. Like, after exactly. you overdose, yo, pass that. Th right? That's yeah. right. Let me get that. Yeah. You know, just this weekend, we were we were at a, a at a club, and this girl was drinking, and she was running around. And in my mind, I was like, "Yeah, don't drink whatever she's drinking." Somebody else's real mind. people yeah, are going. Let, let me get to her where she yeah. at. Right. You know what I mean? So obviously, addiction is real. Right. Um, and I think people need to start facing that addiction and finding out. What can I do to get past my addiction? Mm -hmm. Because obviously we talked about it, that it can become an issue that your kids are watching you, mm -hmm. that they can in turn end up doing the same thing that you do. Mm -hmm. And you're continuing that cycle. You need to break that cycle. I'm going to throw in one, before we take a quick commercial break, I'm going to throw in one little, little black fact for you guys. <laughs> um, we have in our body what we call melanin. Melanin was founded... Uh, essentially by um, uh, doctors during after the Vietnam War where black soldiers was having this, had this black liquid in them more than the white soldiers. And melanin is a, uh, a molecule inside your penile gland that allows you to vibrate at a higher frequency, allows you to think faster, but it mostly in scientific phenotypes, it determines your, your, how darker your skin is, how... Uh, the color of your eyes and the color of your hair. You know, black people, the more melanin they have, the blacker you'll be, the blacker your hair will be, the brown your eyes. This is why we don't get, um, this is why we we can uh, we can be in the sun and not get sunburned, not have to wear sunglasses, uh, those type <laughs> of things. But inside that melanin is also what they call alkaloid. Alkaloid is, a, um, is something that's inside the melanin. Now, what's also alkaloid is also inside, inside every drug. So when black people have a harder time with addictions because you have so much melanin that you have alkal so much alkaloid in your melanin and there's so much alkaloid in that drug that it's hard for you to break free of it mm -hmm. because both of those things are like magnets that come together. 
So that's just a quick black fact for you, for the people who like to talk about their melanin popping in. Melanin um, alkaloid is also in melanin. Alkaloid is also in every drug that, that, that you find. That's deep. You almost should have said that at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I think he just found that, his clip. That's, that, that's deep. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. Uh, apologize to the viewers on YouTube. Um, the video cut off, but we're going to keep the audio and we're going to um, probably put up a picture where it talks about when we're talking. So it ain't going to be no video for about um, 15, 16 minutes. I apologize, but it was it was good. Yeah, that don't I can't skip take it out. that part. Yeah, don't I, can't, skip I it. can't take it out because it was that, good. That so was the good. audio will be there. So just bear with us for like 15 minutes where it's not going to be any video. All right. Uh, appreciate it. But we're going to jump in on again, just how the effects of drugs happen, you know, um, the consequences of being on drugs is of course, landing and man maintaining a job. You know, I've seen people who claim that they don't have a drug problem. If you, if they can't keep a job, you, you, you could probably start to look at some of the effects of that probably is drugs. Um, or well, some type of addiction, right? Uh, impaired <coughs> judgment, lack of sleep, drug use can perform your, can uh, make you perform poorly um, and you won't be able to excel at your duties at jobs. So a lot of people get fired because now you might have a job, but you ain't performing at a level that you're supposed to be performing at because of, of the drugs. Um, in the long run, desperation from addiction can lead to stealing line, excess, excessive absences, and uh, other undependable behaviors that an employer will find unacceptable. Um, Drug use can can take a toll on your mental health. Some people use it for their mental health and don't understand that it's only making things a lot worse. Mm -hmm. You know, you get you get your high, and there's always going to be a low. Sometimes you know what I mean? Extreme low. Yeah, it's always going to be. Use. You know, I asked the person in jail one time. I said, you know, what? Tell me why y'all do meth? Because I, I don't understand it, right? He said, man, because I'd be up five days in a row without any sleep. I get so much done. Then he was like, but then I'll sleep for three days because. I'm so exhausted and tired that I hit my low. And I'm like, so you mean, you tell me you could have just kept the regular schedule and got exactly what you needed to get done and not have to experience any of that. And he's like, yeah, kind of. I'm like, all right, okay. But uh, that's nowadays with these drugs, people take, they taking uppers, they taking downers, they taking uppers and down. They don't know what the hell they take. They just mixing anything. You know what I'm saying? You know, just mixing anything together. And, and that's dangerous. You know, when you mix liquor with certain drugs you mix cocaine with certain drugs which appeals you 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 break that down and you mix the coke in with the pills yeah. and people are so shocked when we see overdoses but we shouldn't because we're doing a lot of things with drugs that's not meant to be done with drugs and our body can't naturally take it right um so the more you abuse the drug the more you need to get the same effect and therefore the more money you need to spend to support the habit so you're losing a lot of money when you're addicted that's, to drugs. That's the other part is when you don't have the money to support the habit, now that's when the criminal things come in because now you're robbing, you're stealing, you're killing, yeah. you're doing all of these things Anything to meet that habit. Anything for the drug. That's what happened with the crack epidemic because the crack, once you smoke crack, it, the high didn't last long. That's right. right. So that's why they would say they coming back like later on in the day. They coming, coming back, back because the, the, the high is gone and they need some more. So whenever you run out of $10 bills to give to the drug man, you still in toasters, microwaves, anything to go back That's and get right. that, that get that high. Um, but uh, it also affects the family structure. 
Um, because the more someone abuses the drugs, the more their priorities swift shift toward their drug of choice. And you end up hurting a lot of people close to you because you put the drug first. Mm -hmm. You know, it's priority over the kids. It's priority over the marriage. Um, you steal, you lie, you have a short temper, lack of patience, um, decreased interest from others and self-serving habits, all of these things. And you just see friendships fall apart. Relationships fall apart. That's right. Everything falls apart because the only thing you're thinking about is what you need that the drug can provide for you. You're not thinking about what everybody else around you. And I think that might be saying. one of the most important effects of addiction that I think a lot of people overlook because we always talk about being able to maintain a job, mm -hmm. right? That's like job one because you can't do much without having finances. Right. But one of the areas that I think is that, that that's impacted more than any is what he talked about relationships. Mm -hmm. um, not just with your significant other, but with your kids, um, with friends and other family members. Um, that impact, I think, is probably more so than 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 the financial part, mm -hmm. because the financial part you can fix, right. right? You you can go get a job and you can be what people call a functional drug addict or alcoholic, which I hate. But you can go out and you can go For to work long? every day that, and you can make money. Thing. But the ones that cannot be repaired because you're still doing the drugs or alcohol is those relationships. You burn the bridges already. You're burning bridges all around right. because. Those are the people that still see you for who you are, right. which is an addict. You know, somebody that's choosing the addiction uh, or the drug or alcohol over the relationship, over the kids, over the friendships. Um, and you can't fix those. Right. That's right. why I love The Wire so much. Uh, Bub's on The Wire. Every season he tried to get clean. And it was one season where he was clean for a good mm -hmm. amount of time and he went to go stay with his sister. And whenever his sister had to go to work, she'd be like, all right, you got to leave the house. And he's like, come on, I can stay here. I'm clean now. No. She's like, nah, you, we've done this before. You've been clean for months, and then I come home, and my TV gone, and all this other stuff. That's right. So even though I love you to death, at some point, I got to draw the line. That's right. And Bubs understood that because he understood that he burned some of those bridges, even though he was getting clean. You could be clean for 10 years. I don't even think that's a such thing as being clean. That's right. Um, even You're still an addict. Me and me being clean from alcohol for, shoot, almost 10 years, I still don't think I, it's one taste away. Mm -hmm. You know right. what I'm saying? It's, it's one beer away. So when people say, you know, you can have it and not, no, I understood the control that I lost back then. Mm -hmm. So I understand that's not out of me yet. I understand the smell. I understand when I watch a movie and I see the 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 elite people, you know, they got the little small cup and they you want some you want some wine, you want some uh some some uh vodka, you want some Hennessy and they pour a little little John and they just drink it and I'm like, dang, that look cool. Right. <laughs> but I'm like, dang, I've been there before. Right. It, it, just cause they make it look cool, I'm not done with the addiction. So the addiction, beating the addiction goes on every single day for the rest of your life once you've been there before. Um, it's kind of like what Braun said when he got hurt, when he said he'll never be 100% again. Right. Once you get hurt, you will never be 100% again. Because you remember that feeling. You right. remember what you did to people. You remember how, how you acted. All of that stuff is still in the back of your mind. But one thing that the drug, especially the crack cocaine era, did to the family structure was it took away the black mother. Mm -hmm. That's why I said what I said earlier, that it wasn't just the drug dealer. 
It was a crime amongst the drug user. And when the black woman became the drug user, you lost the mother and the father, the wife, a nurturer, the carer, the lover, the backbone of the black community was lost during the crack cocaine era. Yeah, and, and you lost the father because they were on both sides. They were the drug dealer and, and the, the user. user. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you lost you lost the family. So when you've seen so many kids go into what we call the system, it's because the black woman got lost in the shuffle when we just talk about their mass incarceration of black men. But the woman mm-hmm. was the one that struggled. This is why you see the addiction, the black grandmother take over. That's we right. still see it today. My case too, when you see the black grandmother taking care of the child, why? Because the addiction got a hold of us that we put the kid to the side. And that's something that we have to deal with. So when, when people say that the, 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 the black grandparent taking care of other people's kid is because our generation or the parents allowed the drug to come in between our priorities and responsibilities that the older black women took into their support system and, and, and raised the kids. And we still see it today nice where the real. grandparents are raising the kids because of the addiction that's still going on in our community. That's right. That's right. And for and I'm gonna be honest with you, once that happens, it's hard to get things back to normal. Because in my personal experience, my daughter has an attachment to my mother, and my mother has an attachment to my daughter. So being that my mother raised my daughter during the my addiction stage of alcohol, who am I to come in and say, all right, it's my responsibility now? That's right. right. And what are those effects gonna be? Right. right. So we just saw that on Godfather Harlem with um Bumpy Johnson and his daughter, I don't know how true it was, but we saw that where it took place and they all came together and said, look, it's village time now. Know who your real parents is, and now we're all going to do it together. But that's the, some of the effects that the drugs had. That's some of the effects that the addiction has on, on the black community. Is you see the grandparents take on responsibility. I know grandparents that are retired that still have to work because they're taking care of their kids' right. kids. That's right. You know? And that's you also see um with younger younger kids being drug dealers or you know having a long record because when dad is in jail or not around and mom get addicted, now it's the older sibling's job to go out and make something yeah, happen. Absolutely. Yeah. It's but a vicious cycle. I'll let y'all close. <laughs> go ahead, nah, this is your field. So. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh my field is basically just it's my personal experiences. And obviously, like I said before, I'm biased um, in so many aspects of this conversation. Um, but at the same time, I have a high level of anger towards addiction. Um, mainly, the first part is for myself, because I contributed to the demise of those in the black community as a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. I contributed to the things that I stand against today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost makes me feel hypocritical when I talk about it, because I was part of the problem at, at, at one point. And then, of course, obviously, like I said, what happened to my mom and what I see happening to people that I love every day that have addiction issues. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's hard for me to even fathom. Like I said, I don't understand addiction. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask them, why can't you just stop? Mm-hmm. If you can control it and it's not a big deal, just stop. It's sort of like people tell me, all this, have you ever eaten uh, frog legs? It tastes just like chicken. 
give me the chicken, right? right? <laughs> so when people say I can stop whenever I, whenever I want, why not just stop? The problem is the the addict does not see all the effects that I see. Yeah, right. They right. don't see that. Well, it's, it's tunnel vision. We have absolutely tunnel vision. right. And it, it so for me personally it makes it very difficult difficult for me to understand. But here's the kicker: makes it even more difficult for me to help that person. Yeah. Because I don't know how to help them, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, one of the things that me and my me and my brother was always tasked with is actually going to the store and buying my mom the beer, mm -hmm. right? And cigarettes. How the hell am I gonna say no? It's still my mother, right? You know, and people say, "Well, I wouldn't buy it for him." Yeah, don't buy it for Helen to find out what happens, <laughs> right? Right. So going to the store and actually buying it, so I contributed to the thing that that murdered her, mm -hmm. because I didn't have I didn't have the strength to say no, mom, not buying it. Because anybody that knows my mother knows that when she didn't have it, she was a different person. Mm -hmm. right. So when she had it, you, it was a person you could deal with, mm -hmm. right? So to avoid that storm, I would go to the store and buy it. So, so I have to deal with that every day of my life and saying I contributed to her being murdered mm -hmm. by, by, by cancer and, of course, by way of alcohol and cigarettes. You know, so for me, it's a personal experience that's not going to change. Something I'm going to have to deal with every day, and mm -hmm. I'm trying to deal with it every day. But it's tough. So when I see people doing it now that I love and care about, even when you were going through it, I'm not going to say I handled it the best. I was honest with you. Mm -hmm. I gave you my perspective and said, hey, here it is. Mm -hmm. That's not what I would tell somebody to tell their kids. Mm -hmm. right. But I'm biased in, in, in my approach because I'm biased in how I feel about it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's made me who I am. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't, I don't understand drug addiction um i don't even know if it's a thing but i have addictive personality so that means if i start doing something it's hard for me to stop doing it. Mm -hmm. so that's one reason why i can't smoke weed because i know if i start smoking weed it's gonna be hard for me to stop mm -hmm. i have i had an i had an addiction i had a sex addiction and it was hard for me to stop but like you said i didn't realize how it was affecting my kids my wife bait because I was living with bait. I didn't realize how it was affecting you, mom, other dad. I, I didn't understand until, and I remember it, it, it vividly. I remember we were sitting at Bake's house, and he sat on the couch, and he looked at me. and was like, so, dude, what you going to do? There is when I figured out that, okay, this not only affecting me, it's affecting everybody around me, everybody that, that, I'm, that I'm touching, because it's kind of selfish. That's right. And when you're selfish, you don't realize that, Everything that you touch, I'm just going to be honest. When you selfish, everything that you touch, you're going to fuck it up. That's right. And for me, it took, at first I had to admit that I had a problem. That, right. that was step one. Secondly, it took some, some for somebody else to call me out on that problem for me to understand it. But like you said, I don't understand addiction. Um, I, I just don't, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Um, even I, I feel the same way with Bake. You know, when Bake was when he had his alcohol problem, I felt like I was helping him because the things he wasn't doing, was I was doing, doing it for him. him. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my wife told me it was like, "How you gonna ever be a man if you don't let him?" Mm -hmm. And I, and I I said that on the the day he got married. I didn't know how to do it mm -hmm. because I was so used to being there picking up everything that he was missing. I got it. I got it. I got it. Because I knew he couldn't handle it until I allowed him to handle it. Now look, mm -hmm. that's right. I believe, and this may help you guys understand it a little bit better uh, of what addiction is. So, 
when we talk about addiction, it's not the drug, so to speak, that's addictive. It's what we call dopamine. The it is the pleasure. It is the the feeling. Most they tell you all the time that that drug dealer, I mean that drug user, is always chasing that first high. Mm-hmm. What it felt like the first time, right? Addiction isn't just a drug. Like I talked about earlier, you know, addiction was at one time coffee. Addiction was at one time sugar. Addiction is anything they use that you chase because you like the feeling of it, but it's hurting you. And I'll say this to the black community because we talked about it on the podcast before is the food that you eat is an addiction. So when people say, I don't know, I can't diet. I don't know how you're so disciplined on not eating this or not eating that. Because I understand the effects that it could have. I love the way a cheeseburger tastes. Anybody that knew me knew whatever I went to a restaurant, I was getting wings or a cheeseburger. Anywhere I went, wings or a cheeseburger. Because I love the effect, no matter where I was at, that that cheeseburger or wings gave to me. But I understood that it was a detriment to my health, body-wise, right? That's the same thing that alcohol does, drug does. When you're addicted to something because you like the way it tastes, you like the way it makes you feel, you like the way it takes you from reality, you like what it what it does to you in the moment, but you're not thinking about what happens in a few hours, right? So if it most put this in perspective, if most people go to a restaurant and they eat a good meal and they belge and they sit back and they say, <laughs> "Oh, that was good," and then later on their stomach hurt and they say, "Man, dang, I wish I wouldn't have ate that." But it was so good in the moment that you couldn't say no. That's the way drugs is. It's so good in the moment. You don't care about the hangover the next day if you drink alcohol. You don't care about losing your job tomorrow. You don't care about (laughs) your kids not seeing you. The only thing you're focused on is that short-term pleasure that you can get from sex, money, drugs, food. That's it. People, that's the that's what we are humans are addicted to, sex, drugs, money, food. Those are the only things that we are addicted to. And if you can't discipline your mind to get over what's in front of you, to think about a year year from now, two years from now, your kids affect the people around you affect. It's gonna kill you, and that's what it's been doing to our people for decades. Uh, appreciate y'all for tuning in. We love y'all. Peace.